0: Yeah, 7 million die a year from the effects of air pollution. So uh, there's a statistic that blew my mind that sending one day on the streets in Delhi is the equivalent for your lungs of chain smoking two packs of cigarettes. Uh, the particles are so small that they actually are able to go in around the sides of the mask because there's no proper seal surrounding the nose and mouth, so, but not something that we're necessarily prepared to address and something that you aren't opting in to, to do. It's something that you're presented with. Resprana is revolutionizing personal air filtration.
1: Ryan Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncie is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy is out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is is the first guy I call. He's making people's lives, but Ryan Muncy is an innovator. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Today's episode is number 141, and we are talking to Sophie Franks, CEO of RespRana. We're talking about air pollution and their fashionable solution to help us breathe beautifully. All right, Sophie, welcome to the OPP. Thanks for hanging out with us today.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it's our pleasure. Looking forward to this. You know that I hate reading boring bios. So you can either choose your personal bio or the Resprana bio or blend them together. But give us your Twitter version of that 140 characters or less.
0: Yeah, happy to. So Resprana is revolutionizing personal air filtration, offering a device that provides maximum protection without sacrificing appearance.
1: Awesome. So for you guys listening, the, the short version of this is Respirana is going to replace those crazy pollution masks that you see. Um, all right. So so let's talk about air pollution, Sophie. It's a bigger problem than people realize. Um, mm-hmm. You guys have, have done some cool work already in, in talking about this and educating the public. Something I saw that you guys said, something like 7 million people are impacted or are, what is that stat? Seven million killed impacted?
0: Yeah, seven million die a year from the effects of air pollution. So that may be a a disease that they've uh, gotten because of the exposure to air pollution over time, um, or even as, as few days as, um, a week or just shorter periods of time can actually cause someone to have lasting health effects, um, particularly on um, their respiratory or cardiac systems. So there are 7 million deaths a year associated with that, that pollution.
1: That blew my mind when I saw that. So yeah. the, if you do the math on that, that equates to something like two deaths every minute. What mm-hmm. are some of the acute and chronic um, effects that, that people are experiencing from air pollution?
0: Sure. So many people who have been in a polluted area or even during allergy season, you may experience some of the acute effects of um, what you inhale affecting your your breathing patterns and even coughing up sometimes when you're in a smoggy area, you may even cough up um, black soot. And if you've been in a particularly polluted area, even some people in LA, but in cities such as Delhi, Mexico City, Shanghai, when you blow your nose, you might see black soot in there as well. So the acute effects are more uh, daily coughing and feeling that it's a little more difficult to breathe, a little more difficult um, to take a full breath. But over time, that exposure can also lead to different types of lung cancer. In addition, it can cause um, exacerbated asthma symptoms and actually expose young people in particular to asthma who may not have had those symptoms to begin with and overall affect your respiratory system and lungs so that you're working at a less efficient rate than you would having not had that exposure.
1: So how does that exposure deteriorate our either internal organs or our immune system or our just physiological patterns.
0: Yeah, definitely. So when you're thinking about working at your most fit capacity or potential, you feel the difference in your lungs. You feel the ability to take fuller breaths, um, to exert yourself intensely without having such difficulty breathing. When in a polluted area or the Uh, longer term effects of having had ongoing exposure to pollution, you'll feel a difference in your breathing patterns and ability, um, more difficulty taking a full breath, more difficulty actually breathing at a normal pace, even though you may be at your most fit. So it really depends on the environment you're in at that time, but also the environment you've been in historically.
1: And you mentioned some of the cities that I think a lot of our listeners you know, will, will visualize when we start talking about air pollution, Shanghai, Delhi, mm-hmm. uh, Mexico City. But e- even cities like London, Paris, LA, New York City, I mean, there's air pollution going on in those places beyond what most people realize, correct?
0: Totally. And a lot of those cities that are in developed countries that maybe people don't currently associate with air pollution have also had hazardous uh, warnings to their their citizens because of the level of pollution. Paris has had several instances where they've alternated uh, cars on the road, different days depending on your license plate, to get fewer cars on the road and help decrease the pollution levels in the city. London has tried to enforce regulations that also decrease pollution levels overall, but you're still seeing very high pollution levels. Uh, some people in LA have also seen increased amounts of smog. And what, what I've been speaking of thus far is mostly from pollutants that are coming from what you may typically think of as uh, polluting factors, such as factories or cars or those things that contribute to pollutants in the air. But in addition, in the US, one thing we've seen as climate change has taken taken a more rapid pace in certain parts of the country, there have been increased forest fires as well. In the southern U.S. last year, there were very intense forest fires in Tennessee and North Carolina. And this year, more so in the West, with record-breaking numbers, there are forest fires throughout Oregon and California, causing smog over a lot of major areas. And, Especially areas where people really enjoy being outside, parts of the country where people spend much of their life hiking and in the outdoors and exploring nature, and they're really stifled by the pollution caused by these forest fires without a real solution out there.
1: Well, we'll talk about this. This will kind of be the meat of what we discuss. Obviously, Resprana will be a solution, but it's not ready yet. So in the meantime, what can people that right. live in? I mean, like you said, we've got record-breaking fires in California and, and Oregon right now. What can people in those areas or people who live in New York City do to reduce uh, potential exposure or, or damage, harm from exposure?
0: So the existing solutions out there for... Per- use uh, mostly include masks. So what you see at, on most kind of city streets are very disposable masks that you could buy for maybe even several cents in some parts of the world or a couple dollars from companies like 3M. And those are the masks that look more like dust masks and are disposable after just several uses. And that will help you to some extent, although the particles are so small that they actually are able to go in around the sides of the mask because there's no proper seal surrounding the nose and mouth. And so essentially, these masks are some protection but not actually preventing you from inhaling all harmful particles. So it will offer you some kind of barrier. And there are some masks out there with slightly better seals, and there are a lot of people attempting to innovate in the space to prov- provide better protection with masks. There's also a company called Scoff, which is based in New York City where they actually create scarves that have an insert that allow you to put the scarf around your mouth and it has an actual carbon filter. Uh, any kind of material that you put over your nose and mouth will prevent you from some level of exposure. But nothing will be as useful if there's no actual seal and depending on the efficiency of the filter you'll get varying results and of course in warmer areas you you can't use the scarf to the same same extent as you could in a on a winter day in New York so it really depends but there are some solutions out there and then overall the the unfortunate answer at some point is to really limit your exposure. When you know that there are forest fires, it's really in your best interest to stay inside. There's a statistic that blew my mind that sending one day on the streets in Delhi is the equivalent for your lungs of chain smoking two packs of cigarettes. So For, for
1: one day or for how long?
0: For one day. And so it's something that We're taught from a young age today that smoking is something that really deteriorates your ability as an athlete, as a healthy individual, um, but we're not taught to prevent ourselves from exposure to air pollution. So it actually really does have a very similar effect on your lungs, but not something that we're necessarily prepared to address and something that you aren't opting into to do. It's something that you're presented with whether you like it or not, because of the way the world is uh, currently moving.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, you're you're exposed to it wherever you are. Regardless, mm-hmm. it's just we need to educate ourselves on you know how bad that air quality is. And this is a question I have for you in a second. I'll, I'll ask how we can measure or quantify that. But mm-hmm. two questions before uh, one. So uh, we know you went, this is not in your bio, but I know you went to NYU. Yeah. If you went back to New York City today and Respirano was not available to you, would you wear some sort of apparatus to reduce exposure?
0: So in New York City, I would not. Uh, Fortunately, New York City doesn't typically have as harmful levels of pollution. So pollutions measured in AQI, which is basically a measure of how many particles, harmful particles are in the air per a certain unit of measurement. And essentially, New York has not been proven to be in the hazardous level. Um, London, Paris, Delhi, some of the cities we were speaking of earlier have been. So I when I first conceived of the idea for Resprana and when I also saw the pollution, the worst pollution I had seen in my life firsthand was in New Delhi. And I I did not actually protect myself. I chose to work out indoors where, as usually I prefer to run outside. And in another instance, this summer I was on a a long bike trip. And when we reached the West Coast, we experienced some of the pollution from forest fires as well. And even biking, when you're not at such as, uh, not quite of an intense cardiac level or aerobic level as you might be when running, you're still breathing in harmful particles at a quite rapid rate. And while biking, as uh, someone who has asthma myself, I did experience a lot of trouble breathing, but it still didn't inspire me, even though I know these effects to actually wear protection and go out of my way to find some sort of protection thinking, Oh, it's temporary. Even though I know that even that one limited amount of exposure can affect me longer term.
1: It sounds like it's one of those things, this, this AQI, it's similar to what we've talked about with other guests here on the show where you know, you may have lab values that are in the quote unquote normal range, but they're not Mm -hmm. optimal. So just Mm -hmm. because a city like New York doesn't register as harmful levels, it's still higher than, you know, what we would really like to be breathing in.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I think that we've begun to settle for those kinds of levels. In fact, we've even seen that in some cities with the worst pollution, particularly in China, the levels have reached beyond what's even necessarily on the scale of AQI. So the scale goes up to 1000, technically. But there have been levels beyond that. And anything above 500 is labeled as hazardous. So the intent when scientists created this scale was to really cover two times the hazardous amount. And now many cities are experiencing levels beyond that. So we might need to readjust the way we approach this and think about the measurements and think about what's safe and what's tolerable, but also what's preferred for our overall health.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Is there a database or where could our listeners go to get a number for the air quality in their area?
0: Yeah, there are increasingly more databases with real-time data up to actually 10 yards within the area you're standing, which is excellent. And those technologies are more up and coming and not as readily available. But the World Health Organization has AQIs for cities on any given day. So it's not necessarily real time, but the AQI doesn't alter, doesn't change too much unless there's a drastic um, environmental pattern in that within that day. Uh, So the World Health Organization has numbers that are quite reliable. And within the next several months and years, we hope to see more and more companies coming out with technology to alert users exactly of the surrounding AQI. And some weather websites as well, and weather apps will also include Even if it doesn't say the particular number, it will at least alert you if it's hazardous outdoors so you can be aware as to whether or not you should avoid working out outside or walking to work if there's another option.
1: Okay. Now, you mentioned, um, you know, some of the harm that can be caused long-term. I'm curious, do you know of or are there statistics that measure uh, cancer rates due to pollution, how does that compare to smoking?
0: The The scientific studies we've looked into that draw parallels between the two don't actually um, explain the exact rates. It's more of a, a study of the effect it has on the lungs over time, and then there seem to be a, a direct causation between the exposure over time and lung cancer rates, but there's not, there aren't, the research isn't developed enough to have that exact number quite yet.
1: Right. So they can't exactly say what caused it, but they can say that exposure is equally harmful from the two.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, So tell us about Resprana.
0: Yeah, sure. So as I alluded to earlier, the idea came to me when traveling in India and I was experiencing frustrating symptoms myself from having had this exposure and wanting to go running outside and having asthma and not feeling myself at full breathing capacity. But in addition, I was speaking to people across the country who were all having the same annoyance and the same problem and also seeing this every day because they lived in the area. Yet I didn't see anyone wearing a face mask. And as I was mentioning earlier, Even when I've been exposed and knowing the research and knowing the harm it can have, I haven't worn masks. And much of the reason, especially when in India, notoriously one of the hottest places in the world, it's very unfortunate that the only real solutions out there are also making you more hot and more uncomfortable. But in addition, a lot of people feel that it's entirely stigmatized, including myself. It doesn't make you look like the same person. You can't communicate in the same way. You have to take it off to eat. And in a country where people were particularly socializing outside and also eating outside, it didn't make sense to wear a mask. Uh, also biking and using motorcycles and scooters are very popular in India, um, in many parts of India. And wearing a mask while doing such such activities or such methods of transportation was very inconvenient because it would fog up your glasses. And if you weren't wearing glasses, you would get bugs in your eyes and such and such. So you you want to protect yourself, but there was there's really no uh, there's really no way to actually protect yourself but still perform the tasks and functions and still socialize in society the way you would want to and also be riding to work in the way you would want to or walking to work in the way you would want to. So what we found and what my co-founder and I identified was that with the aesthetic elements of Indian culture being so celebrated and so beautiful, there had to be some way to marry those elements with an in-nose device that would allow a user to be proud to wear something that's protected and even feel they're accessorizing But be equally as effective and protect the user's lungs. So what I have here is one of our earlier iterations. Um, So you can see the way that it is basically a fraction of the size of a mask. Um, And this is actually form-fitted to my nose. So you can see that hits in the nose and the only uh, visible is the slender bar right there. So this is a plastic design that we created to uh, begin prototyping and what we're working on now, actually finalizing those materials, finalizing the filters, and get better design, getting user feedback to make sure it's as comfortable and easy to use as possible. We want it to be a seamless process of adoption if possible, so something that people put on as part of their morning routine, knowing that they're going to protect themselves.
1: Awesome. So, if you guys are not watching the video version of this, Sophie just held one up, and it basically looks like, um, like the aerial view of it, almost looks like lungs. You know, you've got the the two things, and then the one connecting, and it's basically a filter, one for each nostril, and then you have that small bar that, that connects the two that you know kind of goes, you know, the or you might get a nose piercing or something. Um, so it, that's a really cool concept that you've both you've married the functionality of being able to wear a mask while you're performing daily tasks that were impaired by wearing a mask in the areas where you most needed to, but also you, you kind of meet that fashionable, you know, I don't have to look like, you know, a weirdo or a pariah when I wear it.
0: Exactly. And some detail about what we're iterating off of for a, um, and our, Our upcoming iterations of our product if you think about wearing a pair of headphones that goes in the actual ear there it may come with some different rubber casings and those small casings allow it to fit into the ear comfortably and it may come with several sizes depending on how big your ear is so we like to compare that to the way our device works The device itself is the exterior is reusable, and it's something that we want users to actually prize, something that we want people to use on a daily basis, but the filters are replaceable. So depending where you live and where you're using the device, if it gets saturated more quickly, then you will perhaps have a three-day period where you can use the same filter, and then you will just easily slide it out and slide in a new filter. And it's quite simply a a method of allowing you to have a device. The expensive part of the technology is the idea that it can fit in the nose comfortably, that it is easy to take in and out. And so that part's reusable. And then the filter is relatively inexpensive and it's something that you can repurchase replacements for and then just slide those in and out.
1: I know you guys are going through... Uh, a lot of iterations and, and versions and uh, y- it's hard to pin down an exact price. But give us a ballpark of, you know, what this might look like.
0: Sure. So it will depend on uh, the exact materials that we use, but right now we're giving about a 15 to $25 range for the, um, for about a year of using the device. So, as I said, the replacement filters are relatively inexpensive. Uh, the device itself will probably cost about $20, and then you can buy replacement filters perhaps on a subscription basis where we would be sending you replacements regularly for an additional 5 to $10 a year.
1: All right. That's pretty cool. So... Well, I've also heard you guys talk, you have some pretty good ideas about, you know, your distribution model as well, aside from just people ordering directly from your site. Talk about some of the um, more creative ways that you guys are trying to get this out to the people who need it the most.
0: Yeah, definitely. So our whole idea is to get it to people when they need it most, where they need it most. And what I've identified both through my own experience and through talking to other companies consumers, is that one particular area of frustration is when people are traveling for business or working abroad for business in an area where they are exposed to higher pollution levels than their homes. And one thing that we've identified is that when you arrive at a hotel in a new area, perhaps you're on a week-long business trip in Delhi, or you're in the the office outside of mumbai in india for several years uh working at some large american firm and you you know going into it that there's going to be high pollution but you don't know what options exist we want to partner with hospitality groups and businesses working in polluted areas of the world to actually be providing our product to users so giving a company like the Taj Hotel chain, an opportunity to enhance the experience of their guests by ensuring that they're protected on their during their stay and looking particularly at young professionals who want to be able to conduct business and have a seamless trip, but also need to protect themselves knowing the amount of exposure they may be actually receiving during that trip.
1: Yeah, when I first heard that I just thought that was brilliant. Um one of the questions I have off of that is okay, so you're you're meeting the needs of some of the people who may be working there short term or or you know semi long term. What about the people who live in those areas and may not have the same financial means that someone who's either traveling or working for one of these larger corporations?
0: Definitely. Our intent is to serve the need of the larger populations, but we also recognize that as an early stage startup, they may not be our first clients. So as we gain those economies of scale, as we find ways to perfect our product and work off of smaller scale manufacturing to begin with, Mm -hmm. we will be hoping to push down those costs down the line, allowing us to have cheaper distribution networks and also by Following a business to business structure, we think that we'll gain some trust in marketplaces, having some visibility, and then being able to uh, penetrate the market more fully. So, while we gain trust and also push prices down, we may also partner with other types of institutions beyond hospitality and larger companies. We may look to partner with nonprofit organizations that could help us distribute to the most at-risk citizens, Uh, particularly in some of the examples I've spoken of with forest fires or in some lower-income cities and countries, we would see that a partnership with an NGO would be helpful to make sure that our device is getting into the hands of those who need it most right when they need it most.
1: Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, we just, we're recording this right after, um, you know, massive earthquakes in Mexico, uh, mm-hmm. Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma. You know, when when you see something like an earthquake, especially in an area, you know, Mexico is already known for air pollution. You know, obviously, if you have damage like that from an industrialized city, you know, you're going to have stuff in the air. But thinking more about places like, Texas and Florida after these hurricanes and there's water damage, will Resprana help with mold inhalation after water damage?
0: That's a really good point and something we haven't researched quite as much. One, one thing we've identified is that the concern for aesthetics is slightly lessened in emergency situations. So right. we aren't sure if our product would be as uh, able to address those situations, but that's definitely something we're interested in pursuing. We want right. to be able to have as much of, uh, as much breath in our consumer base as possible, and our eventual goal would be to service those most in need, so right. both kinds of health effects are definitely relevant.
1: Well, and I'm, I guess I'm thinking maybe not necessarily the first responders who may have their own right. equipment, but as people, you know, re-inhabit those areas. Uh, or or get back into a home that may have been damaged, but not destroyed. Um, Yeah,
0: I think that's a, a really smart point and something that we haven't thought as much about in terms of mold and the lasting damage from such horrible environmental events.
1: Right, Well, and here's another question in regards to distribution, getting it into the hands of of more people at at a lower price. I know one of your iterations, or at least some of your models that you guys have been taking around have been 3D printed. Is there a possibility in the future where these are things that can be 3D printed to make distribution easier?
0: It's something we've explored to some extent and we had a similar question and much of the feedback we've received from people who are working more closely in design and product development has been that 3D printing makes distribution sometimes faster, but also it's more difficult to have large scale distribution from from that type of manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And we haven't found that um, it's necessarily cheaper than than going to a larger scale manufacturer. So, the the development of different types of three D printing down the line is promising by way of being able to potentially think about having someone scan their actual the actual curvature of their own face and have a perfectly. 3D printed model for their particular nostril size and everything, um, as I was able to, but that is definitely more time consuming. And with the technology materials we're working with, we don't think it's necessarily, um, the most efficient.
1: Gotcha. So maybe instead of that being the base model, that can be your upgrade. You know, people can start customizing and tricking it out the way they do a phone or something like that.
0: Precisely. Precisely. Yeah.
1: Okay. Very cool. Um, What about the impact of wearing the device on nasal breathing? Does it, uh, does it impact our regular physiological function there?
0: It does not. And that's one of the reasons we're taking more time to develop a device that we can ensure doesn't inhibit any kind of inhalation or exhalation through the nose, because of course, encouraging the user to not breathe through the nose then wouldn't make the device quite as effective so one interesting thing we found in testing so far is that because of this increased awareness of your nasal inhalation uh, some people have been more inclined to breathe through the nose entirely Mm -hmm. but we also have found statistics that people from some of our medical partners that overall 80% of inhalation occurs through the nasal cavity, and it's also more likely that what you inhale through the nose is going to have actually be completely ingested in your body as opposed to the mouth, where it's less likely to be ingested and the nose also creates a better seal. So we identified that the nose was the best place to start and then are developing from there to make sure that the filter is an extremely breathable material and that the surface area of the exterior of the device is very minimal so that it doesn't make the cavity any smaller.
1: All right. Um, That's all really good stuff. Is there anything else that we haven't discussed that you want to make sure our listeners hear or know about Respirana?
0: One thing that we are always open to is to hear more about what people are looking for. And we intend down the line to perhaps, as we develop in the ways I've mentioned, pursue not only a more customized model, but think about how we can enhance our product as a piece of jewelry as well. So we want to position ourselves as a consumer wearable that is used as a medical device to some extent, but something that is truly beautiful and people are proud to wear. So we always enjoy hearing feedback or seeing examples of what kind of facial jewelry or accessories people are currently wearing and how they would envision an in-nose device to look um, so that it's something they are proud to wear. and. In the opposite direction, in thinking about simplifying our product as well, I was speaking a bit about some of the partnerships we would hope to achieve down the line to distribute our product to those who are most in need, um, perhaps in a simplified form and with just the basic materials. We would also consider a one-to-one program in which for every purchase of a device, there's one distributed to someone who is not able to afford the device themselves. Um, we've seen that some companies are able to to achieve this quite successfully and may be interested in pursuing that down the line as well.
1: That's a really cool idea. I, I can envision people jumping on board with that. And if you need beta testers, I'm sure that uh, our listeners would be more than willing to test some units for you. I know I would. So Yeah, definitely. If you you need testers, let us know. Sophie, where can our listeners learn more about what you guys are doing or get involved or contribute?
0: Our website is resprana.com, which is R-E-S-T-R-A-N-A.com. And we can also be reached at Breathe Beautifully on Instagram, at Resprana on Twitter, and Resprana.air, A-I-R, at gmail.com. So please feel free to reach out, to follow us, and uh, if you send us an email, we'll, we'll add you to our listserv to make sure you're up to date on when our products will be available for purchase and the news that we think is most pertinent in the space of air pollution and protection.
1: All right, very cool. Final question. We wanna know your top three tips to live optimal.
0: Sure, so I myself am a big believer in meditation and it definitely feeds into my inspiration for um, to to carry intention with every breath and to protect ourselves when possible, but to also live life to the fullest by spending time outdoors and finding ways to protect ourselves to make sure that that's possible without sacrificing our
1: health. Awesome. I love it. Sophie, thank you for hanging out with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for listening. All of the places, the follow-up places that you can go to get more of Respirana, uh, their website, Twitter, Instagram, email, we'll have all of that on the show notes for this episode of the podcast. Uh, So you can find that at naturalstacks.com. And As you listen to this if this is a message that resonates with you share it with the people in your life uh, that you want to hear it that's how we get this message out there that's how we help more people Uh, that's how so that's how Sophie not selfie sorry (laughs) Sophie and Resprana uh, will be able to help more people and if you are a fan of the OPP go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. And when we read your review on the air, we will hook you up with a little care package as a thank you. I want to read one now from Liz monsey 94 and that is M-O, not M-U. So this is not a relative of mine. Five stars. I love listening to podcasts on my drive to and from work. And this is one of my favorites. Love the show. I love your products. Thank you for keeping us inspired and informed. So, Liz, uh, shoot me an email, ryan at naturalstacks.com. We will get you a little care package as a thank you. For you guys listening, thanks for tuning in. Sophie, thanks for hanging out with us and telling us a little bit about air pollution and respirana.
0: Thanks for having me.